Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? How do you build America's Good. largest wireless network? Can you hear me now? Good. By never being satisfied. Can you hear me now? Good. Until no matter where you go. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Your call goes through. Can you hear me now? Good. Verizon Wireless. We never stop working for you. Tonight's message is brought to you by Verizon Wireless. Thank you so much for coming to Kairos. We will never sell out. Um, hey, my name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames. I also get a, part, get a hangout at Kairos, and I'm very excited for that. If you're excited to be here, just give me a whoop. Give me a whoop. Come on. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's say hi to our friends in Iowa City. If you're on the floor, you can turn around and look at the camera back there and say, what's up, Iowa City, on the count of three. One, two, three. And if you're on the floor, I also want you to say hi to our friends in the balcony. Say, what's up, friends in the balcony? One, two, three. And then friends in the balcony, go ahead and say, not much. How about you? One, two, three. Now, friends in Iowa City say, not a lot with, I'm just kidding. Okay, we can stop. All right, sorry. I just love being here. I'm so excited. Uh, thanks for coming out. Thank you so much for wearing your masks. And I know keeping them over your nose, sometimes it slips a little bit. So just go ahead and keep it up there. We thank you so much for uh, using wisdom and discernment and doing everything that we can um, to, uh, to prevent the spread of COVID-19. I did show you that uh, commercial uh, for a reason there. Um, do, you, do you guys remember that commercial? Can you hear me now? It's like, it's like, it started in 2001, so when I was a little tyke, some of you guys weren't even alive yet, I know. But in 2001, this guy named the Test Man, named by Verizon Wireless, was walking across the country saying, can you hear me now? Ah, good. Can you hear me now? Good. Did you ever wonder who was on the other side of that line? Like, who's sitting there? What poor soul has to answer the phone in all day? Yes. 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 Can you hear me now? Yes! I can hear you! But can you imagine the stress that we all would have felt if the test man was asking, can you hear me now? And then he stops, he goes, hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Are you there? Like it just starts to build up a little bit of tension inside of you. Like, do you know that feeling when you have a bad connection over the phone? Anybody had bad connection over Zoom meetings in the last year? You know what I'm talking about? And there's that person who's talking, maybe it's a professor, and they're getting to the really important part, and they say, now what I really want to say is, and they cut. And no one in the Zoom meeting can move on. You just sit there, and you're frozen now, like, I don't know what to do. And everybody's tension just raises and raises, and you can't get over it. You can't move on. And then that paranoids you. So now when, your when it's your turn to talk at the, uh, in the meeting, even though you've hit on mute, you're like, uh, can everyone hear me? You know what I mean? Like, you're just wondering. It's like that little kid who's got, gone to the pool with their parents for the first time. The parents trying to encourage them. Hey, like, jump off the diving board. You can do it. I'll be watching you. And then they're like, sitting there, like take one step. You still watching me? Okay. You still watching me? Okay. You still watching? Ah! You know, and then they come up. And the first thing they look for is their parent. Are you still watching? It's like this paranoid feeling. Like, ugh. We want to make sure that someone can hear us, that someone can notice us. Now, we're in the second week of our series called God in Mental Health. And tonight, the title of this message is, Can You Hear Me? Can you hear me? Have you ever shouted that before? Can you hear me? Sometimes mental health feels like poor connection. Sometimes when we're struggling with our mental health, it feels like the calls that we're on aren't connecting well. 
You know, we want to be able to send a message. We want to be able to express how we're feeling, but we can't get it across. We can't hit send. We so desperately want people to tell us that we're going to be okay. We desperately want people to tell us that we're wonderful, but even when they say it, we're not receiving it. It's bad connection. It's cutting out. We brought this up last week, and I think that we need to bring it up again. Before I go any further, I want you to know this. If you, because you're struggling with your mental health, are a danger to yourself, or you know someone who's a danger to themselves, help needs to be sought out now. And if you've never heard it in a church before, I think that it's important for you to hear that God absolutely blesses the resources that are available to us to seek help for our mental health, especially when we're crying out, can someone please hear me? And so I know that this is maybe kind of weird to put this up in the middle of a church service, but I want you all to see this. This is the National Suicide Hotline. Everyone should please have this number accessible, either for yourself or for someone that you know. So I just want to make sure that it has that. If you wouldn't mind, just so that nobody feels awkward, every single person, if you got your phone, take your phone out and just take a picture of the screen right now, whether you're here in Ames or in Iowa City. If everybody takes a picture, then nobody feels singled out. Not to mention, it's a really good thing just to have in your phone. And I'll stay on the side while I continue to talk so that you're able to do that. It is very, very important, excuse me, it's very important that we have this phone available to us, this phone number available to us. Because the truth is that God can work through all things. And sometimes when we're, when we're dealing with mental illness and we're wondering, can anybody hear me? We need to seek help through counseling. We need to seek medication that's been prescribed to us in healthy ways. And God can absolutely work through those things. Now we do have a God who promises connection with us. We do have a God who promises to be listening to us. And that's important for us to hear. Like at the end of the day, you do have someone who can hear you, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. In the book of 1 John, it says this about God hearing us. My purpose in writing is simply this. So this is the author of 1 John saying, I'm writing to you about Jesus so that you know this. I'm writing to you about Christianity, about faith. This is the bottom line, that you who believe in God's son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality, not the illusion, like the real thing. And then it continues on to say this, and it looks like this, how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening sure that he's listening. And if we're confident that he's listening, we know that we've asked, that what we've asked for is as good as ours. God is listening to us. God doesn't just hear us, right? Like the sound waves don't just vibrate into God's ears. And he's like, okay, get that out. He's actually listening. He's paying attention. There's a difference between just having sound waves enter your ears and actually listening to someone, right? The Bible speaks to this. This comes up in the book of Psalms. It says, they have ears but cannot hear. You know what it's trying to get at there? It's like, okay, yeah, I know that you have ears. I know that you can hear me, but you're not, you're not listening to me. Our understanding of the difference between hearing and listening also is in the Bible. See, the word in the Bible for listen is shema. Everybody say shema. Brilliant, awesome. And it does indeed mean listen, but it also means obey and it means pay attention. And in the Bible, God is telling us I pay attention to you. Your sound waves don't just enter my ear and bounce out. I pay attention to you. Check this out on the next slide here. I love this. 
It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. God paid attention to what I had to say. You heard this in the reading for tonight. God turned to me, and he paid attention to me. Can you hear me? Yes, God says. Now, that's the good promise, and I want you to hold on to that throughout the rest of this talk, but I also want to acknowledge something very important here, too. That first half of the sentence is not fun. I waited. You ever waited? You know what it's like to wait for an answer? It feels like this in Psalm chapter 22, the same book. It says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call you, my God, but you don't answer. The Bible's very real about this. I know that the Bible tells me that God listens. I know that the Bible tells me that God pays attention. But sometimes it feels like I've got a bad connection with God. It feels like the phone is going in and out between the two of us. Can you hear me now? Hello? I'm waiting. You ever waited for an answer? You ever worried about a bad connection? So uh, about a year ago, I had to get a new phone because I was having issues with my phone. First, the problem was is that calls weren't sending or receiving. And then after that, it became a problem where now even text messages weren't sending and receiving. And I only learned that through experience with people. And so I can only imagine how many texts I sent to someone that was important. I felt like they didn't respond and I just held bitterness against them. It turns out my phone wasn't working, right? Well, there was one time where it was really, really important that I had a strong connection. I had just bought a ring. And I was going to ask my wife, Abby, to marry me. Huge thing, right? Now, in order, so I texted Abby. I said, hey, you want to do this? I'm just kidding. Don't ask, you don't propose over, over a text. But anyway, so, but I did need to talk to her parents, right? And so I'm like, okay, okay, build up your courage. Come on. You got this, D. Come on. You know, it's all about that talk. You know, you got to look yourself in the mirror sometimes. You can do this. So I built up a lot of courage, and I opened a text message. Really courageous, right? And I had gotten Abby's dad's phone number, and I, and I begin the text. I'm like, hello, Alex, sir, Mr. Gardner, uh, master. <laughs> like, hey, I would love to grab lunch sometime. Would you be available? By the way, don't tell Abby I texted you, please. Send. And then, like, when you do something like that, you, I mean, it's not like I'm going to put the phone down. You know what I mean? And so I send, and I just stare. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm just wanting those three dots to show up, to blink at me. Like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like, five minutes pass, nothing. Ten minutes pass, nothing. I'm like, I'm just going to put the phone down. An hour passes. I come back to the phone, nothing. By the end of the night, my phone still has no response. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, great, Alex hates me. This isn't going to work out. So I'm talking to my brother later that night. And John's like, hey, so did you ask the parents? And I'm like, I tried. He's like, is there something wrong with your phone? Oh. Maybe I should check in on that, right? And so I'm like, well, I'm going to send you a text. Tell me if you get it. So I send it. And he doesn't get it. I'm like, oh, yes! I've never been so excited to have a broken phone before. So then finally, I get the opportunity to call Alex. He says, yeah, sure, let's go out for lunch. Abby and I ended up married with their parents' blessing. It's great. I needed that good connection. Oh, man, all is, all, all is well that ends well. But in the moment, I'm like, Alex, Alex, why have you abandoned me? 
why are you so far away when I groan for help? Please. Man, it's tough when you've got a bad connection, isn't it? It's tough. Check this out. God says, I want you to turn to me. I want you to be bold. I want you to dare to sit in silence sometimes. Not because I'm not listening, not because I'm not responding, but because you trust me. It says this in Psalm chapter 62, I waited quietly before God. God's the only one that I'll sit in silence for and wait. For my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. I'm not going anywhere. Even if it doesn't feel like God's there because it's quiet. The sound waves have gone out. It feels very dark. Anybody know that silence sometimes feels like darkness? In the book of Psalm chapter 88, it says, darkness is my only friend. Silence can feel like darkness. God says, even in the silence, even in the dark, I haven't abandoned you. Sit with me. Wait with me. It's not wait and then I'll show up. It's sit with me. I wait quietly before God. Not I wait quietly for God to show up. It's I wait quietly before God. I know that that's hard to do because sometimes when we're not getting an answer right away, we freak out. And we know that we treat our prayers like this, right? When we get the answer from prayer that we want, we say, that's an answered prayer. God answers all of them. Sometimes the answer is a little delayed, don't get me wrong. But God answers all of them. And just because it's quiet doesn't mean that God's not there. Wait quietly before God because you can trust God. Where do you turn when you feel like you're not getting answers? We, we need like answers. We need validation. We need affirmation for the questions that we're asking sometimes, don't we? If you're like me, you've turned to social media before. Like, I'm going to get my answers from social media. There's a danger to that. Don't get me wrong. I like social media. I'm active on social media. I think that social media is a great way to network, to connect with people, different things like that. But it can also be incredibly unhealthy. You know, but we see the posts that other people have. And I heard somebody say one time, I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I saw how happy everyone else was on social media. It's comparison culture. So I'm going to find my answers for life based on what I see in somebody else's profile. I'm going to find my answers in my life based on how many people like my post. I'm going to find my answers in life based on how many people follow me. What's my ratio? It matters, right? That's where I'm going to find my validation. And so I'm going to scream out. I'm going to put my stuff out there. And my validation will come from the response that I get from people on social media. That's where I'm going to get it from. Yeah. And for a second, it feels good because you make that post and people start to like it. Maybe you share an opinion in a post and people start to like it, but then there's that one person who sneaks in and says, I disagree. Maybe there's that one person who sneaks in and just makes a snarky little comment about your picture. Or maybe you post it and you find that nobody likes it. People aren't responding to it like you wanted them to, and so you're still asking, can anyone hear me? I'm trying here. You know, one of the interesting things about social media is it gives us this illusion that I can post something and anyone in the world can see it. 
And so I put that much kind of thought into it. I approach my posts on social media as if everyone in the world can hear it, but my real mindset is I don't think anybody cares. Like, what a weird situation we find ourselves in. I'm going to put so much thought in this because everyone could see it, but truly, deep down, I don't think anybody cares. Because I'm not getting my validation there any either. Maybe you think, well, if I do get to a certain amount of followers, if I do get in a certain amount of likes, if I become TikTok famous someday, I tell you what, that'd be it. Is it? It's never enough. Researching is coming out, research is coming out that tells us that there is a serious correlation between mental health and social media use. Facebook became accessible and usable for anybody over the age of 13 and a valid email address in 2006. And of course, Facebook has exploded since then. And since 2006, suicide rates uh, for 17 to 24 year olds have increased by 56%. I mean, you say, oh, that's coincidental. Is it? Check out this next slide. This comes, uh, this comes from the U.S. National Library of Medicine. Spending hours on social media daily disrupts sleep, destroys interpersonal boundaries, causes fear of missing out, creates unhealthy self-comparisons, leading to high rates of anxiety and depression. I mean, part of it is just very practical. It disrupts our sleep. It's like 70% of people check their social media within the last five minutes of their day before they fall asleep. I think like 32% is what it was for people who wake up in the middle of the night to check their social media. And well over half of people check it first thing in the morning. Because we're just looking for an answer. We're just looking for a response. We're waiting for that notification. Maybe you've heard this before. Plenty of research is coming out that the same uh, rush of excitement that happens inside of our brain is the same rush of excitement that we get when we try a drug. And suddenly we realize that if we're not careful with the way that we approach social media, if we're looking to it for the wrong things, if it's not something where it's just networking, if it's not something where it's just posting updates, if it's not something where it's just keeping in touch, but instead it becomes where we're looking for our answers in life, it's going to hurt. You know, it, uh, it wrecks interpersonal boundaries. Anybody have Facebook Messenger on their phone? Like, and if you've ever contacted me through Facebook Messenger, I'm, I'm glad that you have. But it might take me a while because I had to delete Facebook Messenger off my phone because it gives everybody the assumption, the illusion that I have to be accessible at all times. And all of a sudden, I feel like that I have to be accessible all the time. And I feel like I have to respond to everything immediately. And if I don't, what if I miss a message? I know what it feels like to be ignored. I don't want to be the person who ignores somebody else. Oh, No. And our boundaries fall apart. We've talked about the self-comparison issues, and the truth is that it does lead to higher rates of anxiety and depression because we're sitting there worried, oh, do people like my stuff? Do they, they seem like they're doing better. I mean, my goodness, they look like they go on 27 different trips a year. And man, do you ever go to that post and you realize, oh no, I have a typo. And then what do you do? Do you hit the edit button? Because you know if you hit the edit button, that's going to mess up the algorithm. Now people aren't going to see it, right? But do I just leave it there? I mean, if I just leave it there, people are going to think that I don't know how to spell. I'll just delete it. It's funny, like, when something's not right with our social media, like, it, we know we have a problem when, like, it actually bothers our souls. It was a few years ago where I was looking at Instagram, and I'm like, I haven't looked at my profile in a while. And anybody here spend too much time writing their bio on Instagram? 
Like for a while, I just deleted one because I'm like, oh, that sounds silly. I don't like that. I don't, I don't know. Like you try to put a joke in there. Someone <laughs> like comments on there. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah, I didn't like it either. Well, one day I went to my profile and like horror struck me because I realized like someone had gotten into my Instagram account. To this day, I don't know how this happened, but I looked at my profile and all of a sudden it said this, Danny Householder, dancing is like dreaming with your feet. Dancing is my life. Dancing is my life. You can check. These are posts that are on the bottom here from like when we were starting Kairos three, three, over three years ago. And I saw that. I'm like, oh! I've held on to the picture because I'm just like, oh, it still exists. Like, and I'm like, no! Like, what kind of response in the world am I going to get now? All my advertisements on my feet are going to be dancing to my life. I just love the last sentence. Dancing is my life, you know. Like quickly, I'm like, what do I have to do? You, you delete it, you find a new thing, a new way to present yourself, so hopefully you can, you know, get a response from people the way that you want. Man, I tell you what, we can, we can go to social media, you know, for our approval. We can go to social media for our response, for social media, for our validation, our affirmation for the things that we're saying and doing. And it can be really unhealthy, but the truth is that can be anywhere in life, right? It's not just social media. Because some of you are in here and you're like, I'm not even on social media, so take that. I watch The Social Dilemma. If you haven't, check it out. It's kind of spooky. They control our lives. But it can also be trying to get the approval of that friend. It can also be trying to get the approval of that professor. It can also be trying to get, to, is, it's trying to be noticed by that future employer. It can be anything. And it's, it's exhausting because it's this constant climb. We have to keep on reaching and striving and trying harder. I don't want to do that. In the Bible, it tells us this about how God comes to us. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath, as long as I breathe, as long as I have breath, heave, breathe. <laughs> you know what I was saying about when you realize you posted something? <laughs> Lord, thank you for teaching us a lesson tonight. I will wait before the Lord. So many other things in life we have to climb for. Just got to keep on striving. God is the God who hears you and listens to you, not because you've shouted loud enough, not because you've climbed high enough, but because he comes down to you. He hears you because he gets close to you first. And so when it's quiet, you can trust that he's close, even when it's silent. In the book of John, some of Jesus' closest friends were dealing with silence from God. I love to refer to this passage. I think I do it at least once a year, and I want to do it again tonight. It's in John chapter 11 when Jesus finds out that one of his very close friends is sick. His name's Lazarus, and so some people approach Jesus, who's in a land called Judea. They come to him, they say, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. 
We're going to find out that Lazarus's, that Lazarus's two sisters are Mary and Martha, two of Jesus' other best friends. These are Jesus' best friends. God, you've got to respond to us, right? You've got to hear us, right? You've got to do something, right? And Jesus doesn't move. text tells us he doesn't go anywhere. For two days, Jesus doesn't go anywhere. Hey, Lord, your friend is sick. Hear, can, you, can you hear me? Your friend's sick. Silence. And it feels dark. After two days, Jesus finally says, all right, it's time that we go back to Judea and see our friend Lazarus. Okay. I'm glad that you hurried to that conclusion that you need to go do that. Jesus' disciples who are with him say, you, you can't do that. See, not everybody was a big fan of Jesus' teaching and miracles Some people wanted him dead for it, particularly the people who were in Judea. So his disciples say, Jesus, if you go back to Judea, you are entering the cold, dark jaws of death, and there's no way out of that. Jesus responds to them with something that almost seems cryptic when you read it at first. On the next slide, it says, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he goes on to say that our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and it's time for me to go wake him up. Now the disciples are like, oh, cool, he's just sleeping. So let him wake up. And then Jesus says it plainly. No, in the last two days, Lazarus has died. He's entered the darkness. And then one of Jesus' other disciples, his name's Thomas. Maybe you've heard of Thomas before because he's got a famous title. It's Doubting Thomas. This is the guy who's famous for after Jesus has risen from the dead, won't believe any of his friends that Jesus has truly conquered death. But Thomas, the doubter, he says, all right, fine, let's go with Jesus to Judea because it's better to walk with Jesus through the darkest of night than high noon. So let's go and die with Jesus, Thomas says. So Jesus takes the journey, a one-way ticket into the jaws of death. Into darkness. Into silence. I had a professor once who told us, uh, even if I told you the answers to this exam, it wouldn't help you. I'm like, that's a little cold. He always explained it though. He said, the point is not for me to give you the answer. What you really need is for me to teach you. What you really need is for me to join you in the problem. See, Jesus is going to go join Lazarus and his friends. 
not to necessarily give the reason. Why did Lazarus die? Why didn't you do anything right away? But to be with them in the problem. So he takes the walk and when he shows up, some people cry on his shoulder and he cries with them. Some people seem to kind of be complaining and questioning him. Jesus walks up to the grave of Lazarus and he says something very surprising. He begins to pray. And when he prays, he prays this. He says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Father, thank you for paying attention to me. You always pay attention to me. How do you start your prayers? When you're in need of a miracle, when you're in need of help, when you feel like connection is lost, I don't start like this. I start with, hey, help me out here. Listen to me. Jesus starts with, thank you for already listening to me. Thank you for already paying attention to me. So what does that mean? In those two days, when it seemed like Jesus was doing nothing, when it seemed like Jesus was standing still, when it seemed like God was being quiet, what was Jesus doing? He was already praying for Lazarus. He's praying for his friend. God gets quiet. It's not because he's lost interest. It's not because he's not paying attention to you. Jesus prays for Lazarus for two straight days. Have you ever prayed for someone for two straight days? You'd have to love someone very, very much to pray for someone for two straight days. You'd have to be paying very close attention to the messages that have come your way. You have to be paying very close attention to the person to have things to pray about for two straight days. Jesus prays. So then he says, Lazarus, come out. To us, we read that and we know that Jesus is supposed to say it. But remember, Jesus has just walked into a place where everybody wants him dead. And they want him dead because he's been claiming to be the son of God. They want him dead because he's claiming that God has come down to earth. They want him dead because he's claiming that God pays attention to even the most insignificant of all of us. They want him dead because Jesus says, I am God in the flesh and I pay attention to you, the intricacies of your life. I know so much about you that I could pray for you for two straight days, nonstop. I've heard every single cry of your life. Nothing has gone past my attention when it comes to you. I can't stop paying attention to you. And they want him dead for that. God's not supposed to be like that. God's supposed to be holy. God's supposed to stay away. If you do this, Jesus, they're going to kill you. If you do this, Jesus, the jaws of death are going to close behind you. And you're never getting out of this. You're gonna die if you say this, Jesus. When the friends say, Jesus, can you hear us? And if Jesus says, yes, I can hear you and I'm gonna do something about it, they'll kill you. 
will send you into silence. They'll quiet you seemingly forever. But Jesus can't stop paying attention to you. I mean, we all got friends, right? They say that the value of a friendship can be measured by how deep they're willing to go into trouble with you. Jesus goes into death with us. When we breathe our last breath, he hears it. But God doesn't just hear. Sound waves don't just bounce off of God's ears. And even when it's quiet, God's doing something. He's praying. He's paying attention to you. died for you said he could call your name can you hear me Jesus can you hear me he's calling your name dare to sit in the silence with God I know sometimes we got to work on the connection between us and God and sometimes there's a lot of noise happening inside of our brains and it's because of mental illness and one of the ways that God can deal with mental illness is through the help of counseling and through the help of medication and sometimes it feels like going into that is a very dark place but God says let me show you the light that I can shine through there and into there so you can hear me again Dare to sit in those scary places with God because you can trust God. Because this creator of the universe has come down. He's bent over to listen to us, to pay attention to us. And there will be times when you will be silent, when you have nothing to say. Words are too heavy to escape your lungs. And even then, God still prays for us. Says this in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside of us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He continues to say this on the next slide He knows us far better than we know ourselves. How? Because He's listening because he's paying attention. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God's working in everything, even when it's quiet, even when it's dark. God, can you hear me? And God says back to us, yes. Lean into me. Lean into my love. See how I pay attention to you. God's working for you. He's paying attention to you. Jesus prays for you. Can God hear us? Yes. Do we hear him?
Maybe we got to wait. He'll wait for you. Just don't be surprised when he talks. Amen.